Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and oh man, oh man, we have another big show for you. There's a lot going on, and we got a lot to cover as far as local short track racing goes, NASCAR goes, all the things we talk about. Believe me, we have all the things, plus we have a special guest who took some time to call in, and we're going to kind of intertwine that with our New Smyrna Speedway recap. So, um, just, there's, there's a lot to get to. Um, buckle in, grab yourselves a beer, a soda, go on a long car ride. Um, I'm going to bring it all to you. So, um, on this show, we are going to recap all the action from this weekend's racing at the New Smyrna Speedway. Pretty good show, all things considered. I know it wasn't the biggest car count in the world, but sometimes you just got to take what they give you and make the most of it. And I'll be honest with you, um, would have liked to seen a few more cars here and there, but the drivers that were there, they showed up and showed out and made for a very interesting night. And uh, things have gotten even more interesting post-checkered flags. So we're going to talk about all of that. I've got a couple of things to talk about. By the way, I just want to let everybody know who might listen to this, hoping that I'm going to take a side on something or call somebody out on no, I, I'm not taking sides on any of it. I'm just going to let everybody know what has gone down, what has changed, and what things are looking like going into the final family fun night of the season. Also, we'll talk about the NASCAR race at the Roval. I have the grade for that race. And I want to talk a little bit about the schedule that came out after we recorded last week. So I want to touch on that a little bit in segment number two. Plus, we have a good around the state segment and all that good stuff at the end, if you make it that far. And uh, I know some of you don't. Some of you listen to the first segment to hear about New Smyrna, and you know what? That's uh, why we put it first. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump right on into it, because like I said, we do have an interview that I'm going to splice in uh, about halfway through this. So let's go ahead and start at the bottom. Um you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm at the New Smyrna website and I'm gonna start with the 602 modifieds. They put on a very good race. Um they had eight cars show up. It's it's been the same, you know, seven, eight, nine guys all year. And I, I don't mean that at all to be a uh negative. They have figured out a way to make most of these cars very competitive. And we're seeing a few different winners now. Um when these guys started, I really thought Tom Toronto was just going to spank everybody for the second straight week. That car started off the season before the rules really kind of came together and the division really meshed together. He started off by lapping the field. And then you saw the Christopher Hatton get a little bit better. You saw Tony Pereira get a little bit better. Um, now you've got John Hatton in the mix in the 88 car. Now we've got Kelly Jarrett coming out on a regular basis. So you have four, five, six guys now that can mix it up. After what we saw out of Tom Toronto last week, I really thought when he worked his way up through the field, because he had to start last, being the most recent winner, I really thought when he started working his way up through the field, when he got to the lead, and I say when, or if he got to the lead, he would just kind of run away with it. Well, that wasn't the case. He was fun to watch, man. It was a lot of fun to watch him work his way up through the field. But John Hatton, the Silver 88 car, man, he had him covered here on this night. John Hatton got the win, and poor Christopher Hatton got tangled up. There was a big tangle up coming off to number two. Christopher Hatton went around, smacked the inside wall. Uh, flat tire ended his night, and that's going to close up the points. Um, it's been uh, brought to my attention that uh, Tom Toronto was entered as Tom Toronto 
one night instead of Thomas Toronto, so his points got screwed up. For whatever reason now, NASCAR has their talons in my race pass. And after they calculate the national points, they lock the results. So even on our end, we can't go back and change it without first contacting them, getting somebody to contact us, unlocking the results and fixing it. But I promise I will have the 602 points corrected and adjusted before um, before you guys go into the finale. I just need some time to to get with NASCAR and unlock that event, fix the uh, scoring error. Uh, it was just Tom's in there. The, the thing is sometimes, especially during special events, we have outside help come in with the scoring and we have you in there as Thomas. And then they enter you as Tom or vice versa. And then multiple entries for the same person get put in. And if the wrong one is just clicked when all this stuff goes in, it calculates wrong. So I apologize for that. We'll see what the point spread's going to be. Um, when I'm done talking about all this, I will look at the points and see kind of what we're looking at as we're going to settle some championships here this coming Saturday. But a good 602 race and John Hatton scores his first career 602 modified victory. So now we go into the Bomber A division, and I love this class. Um, even with the the breakout rules causing havoc, I know it's thinned out a few of you guys, and uh, you know made it made some people look elsewhere, which is understandable. We kind of figured, you know, if you you know read through all the the red tape and everything, we kind of figured this would happen. There'd be a little bit of recycling. Some drivers would be more affected by the new rules than others, but we're still getting. Listen, we're still getting double the cars to come out and race than when I started. A good night at New Smyrna for the Bombers when I first started there, 2016, 2017, was like six cars. We're still getting double that. And I know there's a lot of naysayers about the breakout rule. It keeps it, again, from my perspective, and this doesn't have to line up with your perspective. From my perspective, it keeps it interesting. Um, do I necessarily think it's perfect in this iteration of it no not perfect but i i think we're seeing a better mix in, in in even if it's a little bit artificial some better racing i one thing i have noticed is we're not seeing a bunch of people just completely tear up their stuff anymore the the we've no we've had wrecks racing racing and wrecks they go in hand in hand but i've been seeing more control out of the drivers this year. So I don't know if that's a byproduct of the rule or not, or just something that I've analyzed. Um, so we did have 12 cars on Saturday, not terrible. Uh, we were around, you know, 15 to 18 at the beginning of the year. So it has fallen off. There have been some crashes. There have been some frustrations and it's towards the end of the year. The further you go into the year, the harder it is to keep some of these cars running. So all of that factors in with that said though, we had some very interesting racing. Uh, heat number one especially got interesting. Poor Eddie Evans got uh, uh, a car to his outside, bounced off another car and ended up head on into the outside wall. On the initial green flag, you know, knocked up the nose a little bit, but he was able to continue on. Actually finished second in the heat race, which would be important as the night went on. Dustin Higdon won heat one. Brandon Monroe won heat number two. When it came to the feature, of course things got interesting because of the breakouts. Um Dustin Higdon actually had to run home, grab a different car, which I heard was the old um, 81, the old blue 81 car, which is now a white 08, I think. Um, he's just got a lot to pick from. He just, okay, something happened to one car. Let me go pick up another one. Um, Barry Acker was in his original number 15 
And then Dustin Hagler was in Barry Acker's original 83. And then they put Barry back in his original 83, which is now for sale, by the way. Um, and then Dustin went and got the other car and they completed the feature. So Dustin in the new car broke out a few times. Uh, I think Larry Masters broke out a few times. Eddie Evans broke out. The problem with Eddie's breakout, and this is where a lot of the controversy is right now on the uh, on the world of Facebook. And uh, yes, I've been involved in the conversation, not to uh, point fingers, but to help clarify where things have come from. So let's just start before we get to you know what was really good about this race. Let's talk about Eddie for a minute. Championship leader coming into the night, rough heat race. Uh, we had him on the front straightaway as driver of the week to thank him for picking up. Uh, the Matheny's a couple weeks ago so that they could race. Um, I looked for an act of kindness for driver of the week instead of a popular vote, if that makes sense. Um, cause sometimes I like to change things up and, and whatnot. So, um, Eddie broke out early in the race and I don't know if he couldn't hear. I don't know if he couldn't see, cause apparently there's a board on the back straight away for those that break out. If there is a communication, a lapse of communication, then, you know, the the board is to help, you know, flag down your attention and get you what to do what you're supposed to do. So Eddie did not heed to the black flag. He stayed out on the racetrack. And originally the call was, you know, the, the call was you're not being scored anymore. After several laps, you're, you're supposed to serve the black flag within three laps. He did not serve the black flag. So they stopped scoring him. So that was left up to interpretation. Um, one side interpreted it as, well, I got 12th. The other side now has interpreted it as that is grounds for disqualification for not listening to the race official. Um, we had a similar situation come up, uh, similar but different. Brandon Monroe broke out three times. He was the first driver to break out three times and officially be disqualified from the race. So he got no points one night. That took him out of the championship hunt. He's regrouped. He's come back and made the most of his season and put himself back in championship contention. So Eddie was, the call was, you're no longer being being scored. And when that was looked into farther after everything was complete, it was deemed that that is grounds for disqualifications for directly being insubordinate to race control. Um, there is a rule in the general procedures that if you do not listen to race officials, then you can be disqualified. Now, the way the DQs have been going, because the bomber A's are not technically teched anymore, they don't have to go through post-race technical inspection. If you break out in the heat race three times, you're disqualified from the heat race. You don't get heat race points which isn't as big a deal and won't happen as frequently because it's an eight-lap race versus 25. So maybe that's something to look at going forward. Maybe if you break out on the heat, you get disqualified from the heat and then you get three strikes in the feature. I don't know. I'm just spitballing there. Um, so the, the thing is, Eddie was deemed to have been in that gray area of the rule book to where him not adhering to the black flag is just as bad as breaking out three times. So they DQ Brandon Monroe for breaking out three times a couple months ago, back in September, whatever it was. And now they've DQ'd Eddie for not 
listening to the, to the black flag, which is a standard procedure. You're, when a black flag is given to a driver, no matter if it's for breaking out, leaking oil, or whatever, you're supposed to not interrupt the race, but pull off the racetrack. In lieu of interrupting the race, they just decided to stop scoring Eddie at that point. And when it was looked into further, um, lining up with that caveat in the rule book, that is grounds for disqualification. And that is that is where the decision lies at the time of this recording. I guess he can appeal. There may be appeals. I'm going to do what they tell me to do when they pick up the phone and call me to tell me to do something. I'm not picking sides. Uh, the only reason I've interjected myself in any of the conversations is to help clear up the conversation that I had earlier when I was told that Eddie was to be DQ'd from the feature, not from the whole event. He got his heat race points just like Brandon did. When Brandon broke out in the main event, he still got heat race points for that night um, because we have deemed that the feature race is the feature race, the heat race is the heat race, and since they're not teched, the breakout is the only thing or the direct insubordination is the only thing, not the car itself, if that makes sense. Whereas every other class that goes through tech, if you're found legal, you know, let's let's take uh, uh, Williams, who got DQ'd in the EMOD race, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, he was DQ'd for the night because he was his car was illegal based on the rules for the entire show. Whereas the Bomberay breakout rule is race-specific. I know, kind of confusing, right? But it's something that we, when Brandon was DQ'd, we sat down and talked about. So this Eddie Evans situation, man, is it a cluster? Because it's, it's this is new and it's ever-evolving and it sucks that like something like this is even having to be talked about because what I'd rather spend 10 minutes talking about is the very interesting race itself and the winner. I feel I feel bad for Brandon breaking out a bunch of times, having a great night, breaking out three times, getting DQ'd. I feel bad for Eddie for thinking, and I appreciate what he did by thinking, well, if I don't pit, I can't break out three times and get DQ'd. However, not adhering to the black flag was judged as just as bad as breaking out three times. So take your side, take your pick, you know, and I see all the snarky shit on Facebook already. It's you know, it's comes with the territory, and it's it's fine. It's the same. It's it's the same people who are snarky when when a hot dog doesn't taste up to their standards or something. So, um, it stinks that this is what I'm spending all this time talking about, and I hate it because the fact of the matter is, and like I said, I'm gonna look over the points here in a minute. But Eddie is still very much in championship contention. As a matter of fact, three drivers are in championship contention going into the final race on Saturday, which is looking pretty damn spicy. Uh, I'm excited. Like, it just makes me more excited for the bomber race. It, that's just from a, a uh, outside perspective. If I see there's three drivers with a shot at the championship, that's more exciting than two. It's more exciting than the guys already got it locked up. Um, I, again, I, I don't, I don't, I, I just want to make it clear. I don't have a say in any of this. My, I had no influence on this. I was asked about it on Saturday. What did we do with Brandon Monroe? How does this line up? And my response Saturday as I was trying to leave the track is, let's talk about this tomorrow. And the decisions were made beyond me. Um, all I did was tell uh, everybody what happened with Brandon Monroe. Uh, I screenshotted his points for the night, DQ for the feature, heat race points. 
And that's basically the same thing that has happened here to Eddie Evans. With that said and out of the way, man, I, I just, I hope it's clear that I appreciate both sides. I really do. Um, and if this makes Eddie not want to race for the championship anymore, that to me is disappointing. Um, some people think that if a track makes a call against you, it hurts them to go somewhere else. It actually just hurts yourself because you're giving up you're giving up on a legitimate shot to then go fight for the championship. That's all I can say about it. Um, I've seen a couple of drivers give up on this season that could have very well still won the championship. I'm not going to name names. Um, but I, that's what happens, man. This this class now with this breakout rule, nobody is out of it. Everybody is in it, even on the last lap, even a day afterwards. So... All I'll say is make sure that, you know, you are versed on the rules. And if you think it's an iffy situation, just don't do it. Because that gives the powers that be. Yeah, I'm going to use that term because that term gets thrown around a lot. Uh, that gives them the leeway to make judgment. If you just, you're like, ah, shit, I got the black flag. I should just pit. I've seen people pit that weren't even black flag just to be sure. And it's actually worked out better for them. That would be my advice. So <laughs> I'm done with that part of it. I hate, God, I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, I, I hope everybody shows up for the championship and we race it out. And then on, on the next show, I can just talk about what a great championship battle we had, what a great race it was, how nail-biting it was. That's what I want to talk about. But before I move on, got to talk about who won this race. Courtney Breeden gets her first career win. She's been snake bit by this rule countless times to the point where I was afraid that she might quit racing. Because I get it. It's got to be frustrating. I'm not in the seat, but damn, it's got to be frustrating. She's been bit by this rule several times. And finally, things played out to where she was able to be in the catbird seat, get the brakes to fall her way. And she, man, I'm telling you, there was a couple laps where she was right there on the edge of breaking out and didn't go below 24 seconds by, like, the skin of the um, vinyl on the side of the car. So it was close. It was crazy. It was a wild night, and it's it's been a race that just really hasn't officially ended until, like, now. It uh, may still have layers to it. And, of course, if there are more layers, if there's appeals or whatever, we'll update that coming up on the next show, and we'll clear it all up. But just know... I appreciate everybody. I'm so happy for Courtney um, to hear that she won't be at the the final race because of, you know, she's getting married and stuff. Real life sometimes is more important. Um, I've come to realize that. Um, but for Courtney to get her first career win, the intentions of this rule were try to get some more people in the mix. Last year, and no offense to Stephen Wright, CJ Creech, Dustin Higdon, no offense to those guys, but damn, those guys being on their own straightaway every week, you know, it's eye-opening. So, with that said, congratulations to Courtney Breeden. She picks up her first career win. Caleb Jones comes home in second, and when he backed out to not break out on the last lap, his car locked up, and he went surfing into the infield. Just He just wanted to be spectacular. Um, most spectacular second place of the year. Um, and then Aaron Foy came home in third. He is, like, we had C.J. Creech as the bridesmaid last year. We've got Aaron Foy as, you know, the ruler of third place this year. So, he was third. Brandon Monroe, fourth, and we're going to see where the points lie now in a minute with the recent developments. Joe Racine, in my opinion, 
the most improved driver this year in limited starts. He was fifth. Larry Masters was sixth. Barry Aker seventh. Um, sorry, Barry Acker. Yeah, Acker Aker. I'm it's. I'm sorry, Barry. I I suck at your name, but Lindsay Sammy in eighth. Uh, looks like she's in line to win Rookie of the Year, which would be cool. Dustin Higdon broke out several times. Was in ninth. Don't see him complaining. Uh, Greg passed tenth. Joe Sunday and then Eddie with the the twelfth place disqualification. So that's where we're at. And I'm sorry, man. I I I really am. Um, I, I, I never want somebody to not want to race, but we've also, the rules, they've got to mean something. So that's where I'm going to leave that. Um, next up on the board here to talk about in the first segment is the EMOD feature. Great field of cars. And that in and of itself had some drama in the tech area. But before I go over, the results of the EMOD race. I want to welcome in our special guest for the episode. Winning car owner, Brian Mylar, has called in. So let's hear from Brian. All right, everybody, on the Racing with Ryan hotline today, very special guest joining us here. We welcome in winning car owner in the EMOD division this weekend, Brian Mylar. Brian, how you doing, bud? Pretty good, man. Can't say that I wish I'd be doing any better than I am now, as a matter of fact. Well, you've had a uh, pretty good week, man. Pretty pretty big development that took place at the racetrack this weekend. Of course, um, you took over ownership of one of the fastest modifieds, E-Mod, A-Mod, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you put a young hot shoe in there, and he got the job done on Saturday. I did. And, uh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless. And if anybody knows me, that's hard to, that's hard to get me to that point. But I would agree. Once we get you going, man, you you don't stop. Kind of like your uh, your cars on the track there. Um, you know, like I said, uh, you bought the vehicle that Jeffrey White and Jeffrey White Racing, one of our great sponsors here, uh, they they put a very fast piece on the racetrack, and you got your hands on it. First of all, tell me about that deal. What got you interested in in the car ownership side of things? What made you want to get that particular vehicle? Well, what happened is I um, actually first I purchased their pro truck, right? That Jeffrey Jeffrey had absolutely nothing but success in, and uh, my health kind of took a turn. I had some issues come up, and just kind of made a decision that it would be best for me to uh, step out of the car, um, driving wise, and. Um, we went to Cordell. I, I put uh, my friend Dusty Williams in the car that runs late model at New Smyrna occasionally. And uh, he finished second up there. And uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey just really, really um, had kind of peaked in his success with the E-Mods and was interested in, in running a truck again. So, um, you know, we kind of pulled some strings and uh, I got the got the emod and really really with no intention of driving it um was just wanting to put somebody in the car just didn't know at that point who and then you came upon eugene who's been driving super stock since he's been about old enough to drive and um really wasn't able to drive too much this year so you put him in the seat of the modified and it, it almost clicked instantly didn't it yeah, um, actually, we were at Cordial, the, the second pro truck race, and um, uh, Eugene and his and his dad actually pulled the truck up to Cordial because we ran the pro late model and the truck. Okay. And they were 
you know, gracious enough to bring their hauler and, and pull it up there. And, um, uh, Jeff White and, and Eugene just really hit it off. Um, you know, and I had been talking with Jeff and, you know, when you have a car that's, that's, that's that good and, you know, that expensive, you know, those things aren't cheap and yeah. the better they run, the, the more it costs and, and just, that's just the way it is. And, um, I just hadn't made a decision yet on, on who and been looking around and thinking and pulling some, some names. And, uh, uh, Jeff White just asked me, he's like, Hey man, come on, let's, let's get on his little orange Kubota. And he and I went for a ride around the property and, uh, he just looked at me. He goes, man, I think you need to put Eugene in that modified. And he had, he had drove my super stock a couple of races, as you know, when, yep. when he had, his had gotten torn up and, you know, really did as good as that car could do at that point. Um, you know, just hadn't been set up and just wasn't a top, a top notch car at that point, but he far exceeded, you know, what that car could do. And it was a no brainer because I mean, Jeff, Jeff built that car. Um, you know, the reason why that car is fast is because Jeff White racing, you know, works on it. They know that car top to bottom and, Man, when when somebody like that says it, that they're going to support you and they'll they'll work with you and your driver, I mean, you, you you can't say no. Right, and you knew based on what Eugene had done in the past in your vehicles, plus you know um, what that car was already capable of. You you just kind of figured it was going to be a good combination. And then I think uh, one of his first races was over there at Auburndale and he started in the back of the pack and started picking his way towards the front. It was pretty incredible to watch because Auburndale is a tough little place to pass. That is, um, uh, actually, <laughs> actually his first race was at New Smyrna. Um, and that was when, that was when the car owner kind of goofed and, uh, I brought the car over to the middle school. Oh, that's right. Um, and you know, my lack of knowledge, uh, I, drove the car up on the trailer and it, it had smoked a little bit. I didn't think anything of it. And, uh, you know, we come to the track and, and, you know, car super fast out of the gate. He's fast in the feature. And I mean, he's got a, he's got a half a straightaway lead on, 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 you know, Dylan LeBeau, which you just don't do. And, you know, the clutch come apart and okay. come to find out that I burned the clutch up. And cost them, you know, what what would have been his first first win in the first race in that car, and it was one hundred percent on me. And I'm telling you, uh, I, I couldn't have felt worse for the kid. Well, I mean that that that's racing. That kind of thing happens. Sometimes it's it's good to to lose a couple first before you win one because it makes you appreciate it that much more. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a racer. That, I've never won a race. That, before, well, that, that, that's that's the truth. But um, you know, he he did. You know, we. You know, man, I uh, uh, decided, you know, heck, let's go to Auburndale and see what we can do. And, you know, I called, called, you know, some, some of my family, the races and some of my friends, and they're like, man, what are you taking that beautiful car over there, you know, with a teenager in it, you know, to Auburndale? You know, you, you, you're going to bring back a, 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 a pile of junk, you know, and uh, something just told me that this kid, this kid's got it, you know, and, um, you know, you know, yes, yes, the ability, but what drew me to Eugene was, you know, his, his, his character, the way he carries himself, uh, 
you know, come from a racing family, but but what I like about the kid is how he carries himself away from his family. You know, uh, great kids, super appreciative of, of, of any kind of help he gets. And, uh, you know, and, and, and he's got it. I mean, I, I don't know what else, I don't know what else to say, you know, after this weekend, that race you're talking about at Auburndale, man, he, he, he made some moves, you know, he's finished podium every race over there. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, he, you, you mentioned just don't it. do that. I mean, you, you mentioned it. He's he's a good kid. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. I, you know, he's one of those people I can go up to, and I'm a sarcastic kind of guy, so I've got that sarcastic personality, and I can kind of joke around with him. And he knows, you know, we're just having a good time, and he's always a pleasure to talk to. Uh, he's been one of my favorite people to to talk to. He's around the quarter midget thing. Uh, what I'm doing that too, and um, you know, he's just a he's a good kid. He's he's so young. He's got such a future ahead of him, and he's already succeeding. Um, in limited starts, and like you said, to get thrown into an EMOD at, at New Smyrna is one thing, and then you take the car over to Auburndale where there's almost no space to race with these open-wheel cars, and uh, he's been able to succeed on both sides. Um, it, it's been fun to watch, and to to have what happened on, on Saturday, it was a little anticlimactic, but nonetheless, you guys end up with the win. Um, Eugene's first win at New Smyrna, your first win in the EMOD as a car owner, that just had to have been a great feeling. You know, it, it, it is. And, um, you know, I, I tell people, man, I called my mother, I called my whole family, you know, because I've been racing since 19, 19, let's see, you know, 94, maybe 94, 95. And, um, you know, when, when I, when I got to walk up and unconventional, you know, the, the way it happened and, um, you know, it's happened to all of us, it's happened to me before. You know, the, the 32 had problems in tech, you know, it is what it is. They're great people, great race and family. No, they'll come back from that, oh, yeah. you know, but nevertheless, when, when I walked up to Eugene and uh, I believe he was talking to his dad or talking to someone, I put my hand on my, on his shoulder. I says, Hey buddy, congratulations. You just won. Uh, they got disqualified. And I mean, you know, the, to look in his eyes and, and, and he, you know, he gave me a bear hug and, you know, thanked me and, and, that that's it's worth a million dollars. I mean, I I'll work I'll work overtime at my job. You know, whatever I have to do to, to experience that again, and uh, it it it's it's just it, it, the work ethic that that kid has. You know, uh, you know we we've been racing New Smyrna, then Auburndale, then New Smyrna, then we're going to race New Smyrna, and it rained out, so we decided at seven o'clock the night night before the Auburndale race. Hey, let's go to Auburndale. So, you know, there he is over at the shop, you know, changing the car over himself, uh, you know, changing gears, changing shocks. And then, you know, Jeff White and, and, you know, his son, Jeffrey and his whole family, you know, Joni and, and, and everybody. Then we take the car over there and they're, they're helping us with the setup and, and scaling the car out and, you know, giving their time they do every time. It's, it, 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 it takes an army, but we, we have such a such a back, and I'm so excited for what that kid's got in the future here. Yeah, it's, it's like I tell anybody, a win any way you can get it is still a win. So if somebody does something wrong and they get DQ'd, it doesn't mean any less. I mean, uh, when I got the, the call over the radio and heard uh, you know, Eugene had been the winner, I'm like, well, hell, I'm glad I went and interviewed him because I was supposed to do only winner uh, winners only this week, and 
I was like, ah, Eugene's right here. We got a minute. They're going to be taking pictures and stuff with the champion. So I was glad I got to talk to him and ended up being his I, winner interview, you know? I, I, I look at it this way. You know, e even in a short time, you know, in the car driving for me, uh, you know, he, he had one stolen from him. And, 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 I, and again, that was my fault. Uh, felt bad for the kid, but he was, when it happened, man, he was, he was trying to get me up because I wanted, I wanted to go yeah. drive off the pier. I felt so bad. And, uh, he was upbeat, you know, up, up, upbeat, upbeat, upbeat. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I hated for the 32 car, but I felt like Eugene was owed at least one, you know, maybe we can be, maybe we can be even now, you know, but, uh, he had one stolen from him. So. It's almost like that was uh, karma working its way back into the positive for you guys, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's been a lot of hard work. It's, it's been a lot of hard work and a lot of time. Yeah. And a lot of time at the shop. Like anybody around the race knows that if there's a car running up front, it's it's because the work's done at the shop. And, you that's know, that's, you that's know, Eugene and that's, that's uh, you know, the White family for sure. And you know this. I mean, we, we do it at this level for, for the passion of the sport because we want to do it. I mean, you guys aren't making money, and nobody's really making money at this level. We're doing it because we love it. And when you get that win, when you get that victory, you have that good run, it just it makes it all worth it in the end, you know. Um, and it, it's been good to see you come into success and, and Eugene come into success because I, I know you as the, the racer first, and, and now to see you in the car owner role and getting things done, it, it's it's nice to see. Would you say that uh, you're enjoying being the car owner more than the racer at this point? Absolutely. With, without, with, without question, because let me tell you something. You're out there racing, everybody's looking at you. Yeah. And when you don't have success, you're, you're trying to stay the hell out of the way. And, you know, you're, you're not doing good. Everybody sees that. Um, that that's the stressful part. Sure. Being out in front of everybody else, you know, your car's breaking, your car's blowing up, or you're hitting something, or doing every other finagling thing that I would do seemingly on a weekly basis, you know. But this is undoubtedly, undoubtedly uh, the best feeling I've had in my life. I mean, I've graduated basic training. I've, I've, I've done some real, real uh, proud accomplishments in my life, and this. This, I, I, I talked to Eugene's dad tonight, and I told him, I said, uh, you know, I slept with the damn picture last night. That's awesome. Well, that's what so it's about, it's, man. It's me and Eugene standing next to the car, it, it, and as goofy as that sounds, it, it's uh, it's a feeling I wish everybody could could, could experience. Well, yeah, and, and like I said, man, that, that's, at this level, that's what it's about. Find, find your place in, in Excel, you know. I, uh, you know, I just go up there and talk about what you guys are doing out on the racetrack and but that that's my place. You know, that's how I get to enjoy being a part of this thing. And now you found it as a car owner, whether it be the truck or, uh, the E-Mod. And I, I think you find pleasure in, in being able to provide somebody a good hot, you know, good hot seat to go out there and, and work on their craft and do their thing. So it, it's good to see you, you kind of fall into that role and have success with it. Um, I'm, I'm loving every every bit of it, without a doubt, and um, you know, made so many good friends along the way, and 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 now, you know, the White family is, is uh, you know, they're, they're family to me, and 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 now the two Manellos, it's it's uh, it's it's like a puzzle that's just falling into place and and quickly, but man, we we are riding riding the high for sure. 
Well, that's great, man. I know you've been around this scene a lot longer than I have, and I've only known you for a few years here, but I'm glad it's all working out for you. And um, like I said earlier, Eugene's such a good guy. His dad's such a good guy. That family, they've been around forever. So I'm glad to see the next generation uh, flourishing and you doing your part as the car owner to uh, to help that happen. Uh, that's how we keep the future of racing going. So it seems like, you know, like I said, you you found your role here. And, uh, man, it's it's been fun to watch, whether I've seen Eugene at New Smyrna or seen him over at Auburndale. I've been impressed the whole way. And, uh, you know, how the, as the saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> there you, know? you go. And uh, <laughs> the beating them part wasn't going to happen as long as they showed up. So, yeah. well, no, I'm, it, all, it all seemed to work out for you. It is. It is. It's it's a great time. And, you know, just take a, you know, take a second and, and thank our sponsors, you know, the Jeff White Racing, of course, and um, the Berry Paint and Body and uh, Dustcom Limited up, my friend Dusty up in Savannah, yeah. you know, helps us out. And um, it's, just, it's just, just so grateful and thankful to the, to the, uh, to Manelos for letting their son drive my car. I mean, you know, hell, it, they didn't have to say yes, you know. That that's true, and so, uh, listen, man. I, I'm glad you guys have found the success, and I, I appreciate what you guys do in the racing world. Whether you're racing with us or up in Georgia or over at Auburndale, I'm just glad you guys are in it. And uh, like I said, man, I'm glad you're finding some success because I know how frustrated I used to see the Facebook stuff, man. I know how frustrated you used to get with with some of the stuff. So I'm glad it's uh, coming around. And you know, uh, Brian, the car owner, just seems seems like that might be the the role for you going forward. What are the plans? Like what, what's the plans for the rest of the year going into uh, 2024 now? Well, um, we're, you know, we're definitely going to, um, run a couple more races over at Auburndale and then, uh, we'll be, we'll be all guns blazing, uh, for the governor's cup for sure. And then, um, you know, pretty sure we're, we'll, we'll run for points at, at New Smyrna next year. And, um, you know, man, that's going to be a stacked division. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the thir- the thirty two car being there, and and man, Jared Corpy, he's he's been winning races for I don't know how long, and uh, you know Dylan coming back, he's going to be you know probably one of the cars to beat for sure every week. Yeah, there's so, going to uh, be you know man, man I mean there's going to be five or four six or five guys. cars that's seems like not too long ago there's only four or five cars in the races, and now now you know it's it's really one of the better divisions. So I agree with that. Well, we uh. We'll be excited. We're going to be racing as as much as, as much as we possibly can. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, you know? Well, I like hearing that. And, um, of course, I wish you guys all the success and appreciate what you guys do. And um, appreciate you taking some time to, to call in here and, and talk about it. And, again, congratulations. You know, I hope we didn't just gloss over it, but congratulations on the big win on Saturday. No, um, and thank you. And uh, thank you for all you do, Ryan, for racing. Uh, this is the least I can you do. You know, again, you, you, you're you uh, on the receiving end of a lot of uh, Facebook keyboard warriors as I try to yeah. try to have quit quit my job on that part. But uh, Yeah, that, that comes you know, to the territory th- when you Thank you for all you do. So it's all good, man. I, I, I appreciate being a part of it, even if it's just, you know, me talking on the microphone. It might be a small part of it, but I just appreciate being a part of it. And I appreciate you guys giving me something to talk about, good or bad. So Yeah, well, fun. thank you. And, um, uh, Hopefully, hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about. All right, man. Well, again, appreciate you calling in, and uh, good luck at Governor's Cup. Maybe we'll uh, actually get to talk to Eugene in Winter Circle this time. Yes, sir. one on the track. All right, buddy. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. Thank you. Okay.
Hey everyone, we're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the sponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99, and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together, get your friends together, have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, Invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, you can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they are located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200, in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 
9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 E-Mod slash A-Mod, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bullring at Auburndale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open. Um, just message us here on the Race with Ryan Facebook page, or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934, and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. And again, I want to thank Brian Mylar for taking some time to call into the show. It's great to hear his perspective, and I'm sure many of you know Brian. Um, it, it was just kind of cool to hear that in his position now as, as car owner versus racer, he's really having fun again. And again, find a way to get involved, find a way that fits you, and have fun with it. Because at the end of the day, if we're not having fun, there's no need to do this. And believe me, I've been told that several times. Um, so back to the EMOD results. Um, it was a great race. Nice to see, you know, double-digit cars. I wish this would have been a 50 for you guys. It just wasn't in the cards for it to happen on this night. So um, hopefully something will come down the line to make up for it. If not, I apologize. Um, but um, sorry, I had a message come through. Anyway, um, Eugene Tuminello did get the victory. Dylan Williams in that beautiful number 30 t uh, 32. Um, that car is just, I, I love a red, bright race car. Um, he, he ran a great race. He, he did, unfortunately, uh, intake issues through the tech line, got himself DQ'd. I like the response, though. You know, that definitely makes for a roller coaster of a night. But instead of, you know, going off the deep end, they said, well, guess we know what we need to work on and fix and we'll be back for the next one so that's in my opinion that's the best way to handle it even though it sucks but that developed into the story of eugene tuminello getting his first win and i i think eugene you know i said it at the end of the interview with brian like you know maybe a governor's cup will talk to him getting the win on the track i didn't mean for that to sound like oh well he didn't earn this one a like i said even earlier in the interview take the wins how you'll get them because like aj Almendinger said you never know when it might be your last one or your only opportunity. So Eugene gets the win, holds off Jarrett Corpy and Dylan LeBeau. Congratulations to Dylan LeBeau, his second consecutive EMOD track championship. Um, I'm glad he'll be back racing with us next year, but I'm disappointed that he didn't get considered for the uh, NASCAR diversity program. I, I find that to be 
pretty curious, especially given Dylan's uh, current uh, working position over at the big track doing the, the drive-along program for the uh, the NASCAR ride-along thing. Um, I saw some other people, and again, I'm not going to name names, but there's one in particular that I saw got the diversity thing, and I'm like, how? Why? And Dylan LeBeau gets left out. He's a two-time defending track champion of the EMOD division, and he's only been racing for two and a half years, um, has great support behind him, works for those in charge of the damn diversity. I don't understand it, but that just means that we get Dylan LeBeau for another season, um, which, again, I love having those guys around. They are great people. Um, I, I think Dylan, if he ever, if he chooses to, if he chooses to go that route, whether he gets diversity this or that or, or not, it doesn't matter. The kid's a hot shoe. If he gets the opportunity, I think he'll be good. Um, Hank Baker. I'm glad to see Hank has been uh, feast or famine. He wins or he breaks and doesn't make the feature. I'm glad to see him just have a night where he was able to get out there and race. It wasn't his best night. It wasn't his worst night. Hank was fourth. And David LeBeau rounded out our top five. Uh, Dale Howard with a fine sixth-place finish. Jay, Jay Woldridge. I, I got to brag on him for a minute. Um, started out as a rookie this year. Almost like he he jumped into the deep end with no floaties on. And he has since removed the floaties and is finding the confidence in that car. Still finding the edge with the car. He was doing so well until he got spun out in the heat race. I think that might have, you know, had him, you know, knocked him in a different direction for the rest of the show. But Jay has done an outstanding job being the guy who you could count on for the caution to being the guy that now you watch and you see the confidence. To me, I, I that's what I love about a, a guy who runs a full season. It's kind of like Joe Racine. You can see where, where they started and where they've come to. I don't know. That, to me... Uh, that makes a world of difference. So it's been fun to watch Jay. He's going to win the Rookie of the Year for the EMODs. Uh, Curtis Robinson, eighth. I'm glad Curtis got off to a great start this season and got his first win because it's been tough ever since. Travis Sukup found some speed in John Campagnone's number five machine and uh, just hasn't been able to put the full race together. Shane held with a DNS. Um, I want to apologize for Shane. I, I, I hope I didn't cross him. Uh, somebody had asked uh, in a random Facebook post, and I see so many posts, I can't even remember where it stemmed from, uh, but somebody asked how Shane Held did. And I commented saying, oh, you know, Shane was there to shake down his modified so he didn't he didn't start the feature. Apparently, and kudos to Shane, and I really appreciate this, they took the um, big, mo- big motor out of it and switched it over to a completely legitimate and legal E-mod. All, all good. Uh, I, d- I did not know that. I should have done my homework i should have asked him before i said something and assumed i assumed i apologize um but sometimes i see i like hey i know that car is a big mod i you know you can do the same i've seen supers convert to pros and vice versa so it definitely can be done and i appreciate them going through the effort to do that to get a car on track and it just didn't work out so uh shame with the dns and then dylan williams who drove a, a, a great race uh he had the intake issues through tech and was dq'd so that is the final EMOD race of the year, final regular season EMOD race of the year. And now we'll move to what was billed as the main event. Only not okay, I'm gonna say it right now. Only nine prolates. That's it. That's all we had. We didn't, you know, we didn't have double digits for the first time this year. Um the Shark Bite 100 had 19 car start, and the race was just 
it was a fine race, but it was just ho-hum. It just happened. Uh, this one, and I'm not making excuses. I'm legitimately telling you that in my eyes, watching this race was more exciting than the race where we had double the cars. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It depends on what you like. Uh, are, are you there for the optics of what looks good at the green flag, or are you there to watch the whole thing develop and see a good race? I've seen good races with 30 cars. I've seen terrible races with 30 cars. I've seen a good four-car race. I've seen, oh my God, why are we even bothering with this four-car races? So it's all, you know, it's easy to look at the piece of paper and be like, well, that sucks. But if you don't have the full picture, if you weren't there, if you didn't watch it on Speedway video, then you don't have the full picture. And yes, I wish that Mike McVay was able to make it. He had real life stuff going on. So he wasn't there. Mike Amato's car was destroyed at the Shark Bite. Kenny Kreitz, his car was destroyed at the Shark Bite. So that's three of our locals not able to be there. That would have given us a respectable 12. And some of the traveling teams, um, ACR, who was at the last race, they were up with Katie Hettinger up north. Um, you know, we had two Jet Motorsports cars this time. That was great. The 58 Ben Kennedy car, they were going to come, but then they decided to focus on the rest of the big races coming up this year. And I respect them for doing that. That's where they feel like their team needs to be and concentrate on. So that's what they should do. These pro late model races are still our local pro late model class. It just has a fancy name and they're a hundred lappers now to try to make it more advantageous for these people to come. Our locals who have been supporting the Speedway for years and years are all still there. And when we get the travelers all together at the same time, it makes for a grand field. Um, anyone that wants to complain about pro late model fields, Auburndale has started a pro late model division. And guess what? They're not giving up on them and they're getting five or six cars. We're, we have six, seven, eight solid core drivers who you can count on being there, give or take one every couple of weeks. And then we get some travelers. And I think this six-pack series, the Hooter Challenge series, overall, just like we we struggled with the late models last year and we got them on pace now. And the prolates, they've been solid. We were also missing Skinner this week too. I think their car is still damaged. So uh, it, it could have been 12-13, but it wasn't. But at the end of the day, if you were there, if you watched it, and maybe you didn't like the race. Maybe maybe you didn't think the restarts were good. I did, so that's what I'm focused on. The restarts between Anthony Cataldi and Brad May were awesome. I mean, seeing Brad May pull quarter midget slide jobs off turn number two in a prolate model at New Smyrna Speedway is spectacular. Holy cow, was that not entertaining? And to see Anthony Cataldi with an opportunity that he's never had before to get up there and show his worth and drive his heart out against Brad May, who could drive this place with his eyes closed. I don't know, man. That, that to me, is entertaining. You know, you, you can watch 38 cars at a NASCAR race every week and not see a pass. And, and we saw lead changes and dogfights and comers and goers and spinners and wreckers. And it was good. The car count wasn't what you want to see, but it was a damn good race. And I'm not disappointed with it. I knew going into it, we were probably going to have eight to 10 cars. And we were right there smack dab in the middle with nine. And man, I'm I'm thankful for the nine we did have because you take three of those away and then we got an issue. You know what I mean? So I don't know. 
I guess, you know, you're going to say I'm trying to make excuses or whatever, but I'm not. I'm just trying to say it was an actual really good event. And the final restart with 35 laps to go or whatever it was settled it. Um, Brad May spun the tires. Brad May made a mistake. Holy cow, Brad May made a mistake and it cost him the race. Um, you know, I I got a text from from somebody at the last restart. Anthony Cataldi jumped and because the third you know, another driver was having transmission issues and the last restart looked funky. Uh, but Brad May admitted it himself. He spun his tires and that was the difference. Cataldi got the better restart when it all mattered and held on for his first prolate win. His first prolate model challenge series win, I, I, at least. It, maybe he's got a win before my time, but it was good to see him back out there. I know he's had frustrations um, at this racetrack and I'm glad to see him get one. Brad May, second place, got the championship more or less in his fingertips. And uh, AJ uh, Fulgenji, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I butchered that all night, and I butchered it even worse tonight. I, I thought it was his first time there, uh, first time since I've been announcing there, so first time in like 10 years. He got a third-place finish, drove a great race. He was back and forth throughout the night. He had radio issues. He had he pitted several times, battled for third. Great to see. Tim Sozio had a solid third-place car, I, I like what Daniel Webster said. Only Tim Sozio could qualify, you know, third or whatever, um, pit several times, and pass more cars than there were in a nine-car field. So Tim Sozio had an adventurous night. Definitely, in my opinion, had a top three ride and had to settle for fourth. Feel bad for Ruben Caceres. That team experienced issues in practice to the point where I thought they were going to be a starting park on the night. Uh, that that was the reports I was getting, not from the team themselves, but from the the tower when I found out there was an issue and I couldn't get down there to, to actually talk to them because it was qualifying time. It, it sucks they didn't take a lap in qualifying. That cost them at least a shot at some qualifying points, at least, you know, 18 points. Um, I, anything can happen at Governor's Cup, but more or less has cemented Brad May as the champion. Um, but Ruben had a hell of a race, uh, up and down, you know, third at one point, looked like, uh, too much rear brake at the end, brakes are overheating and he slid back to fifth. Blake Suddy, he had an adventurous night, uh, like four or five spins, got into Dalton Smith at one point, I guess they've damaged the, the 24 car, which is unfortunate because they, they had a good night as well, uh, before that all happened. Uh, but Blake Suddy spun out and I saw somebody post about, well, what happened to the three strike roll? What? This isn't quarter midgets. There is no three-strike rule. Um, any of that before has been at the race director's discretion, I guess. But now that we have internet in the tower, it's fun. I can pull the rule book up, and I've started to bring my laptop to the racetrack to play music on and be able to look at stuff. I can control F the rules. It makes it very easy to go through and hit control F and look for things. There is no three-strike rule. But at race director's discretion... Last time Blake said he pitted, they said, if this happens again, you're done. So eventually, discretion took valor there, and uh, Blake was warned, and then Blake didn't have any more issues. But I think what happened to Blake Suddy is they got that car running fast, and they the setup just wasn't, the grip level just wasn't quite there. So it's almost like they got it too good before the car was ready to be that good, if that makes sense. But he battled back to sixth. Dalton Smith, seventh. Um, car had speed. That's Maybe one of the best runs they've had in a long time. So I was glad to see that. Stephen Reddit was eighth. Uh, Stephen, as as always, that the, that car is just not where 
Uh, he needs it to be speed-wise. He's come a long way with it. When he started, oh boy. Um, but he does a great job. He knows his place. He knows his role. He never gets in the way of the leaders. No, yes, the leaders catch him at a going into turn one. They have to adjust their line, but that's not being in the way. Um, Steven has good control and does not in- interject himself into the race to become an issue. And then Colby Clements, um, he did have some issues and he finished in ninth. Uh, that team showed a little bit of speed. All these guys over the course of this season have made themselves better over the course of these hundred lappers. I, I've seen speed out of cars that sometimes don't have speed. The finishes don't always reflect it. But to me, what I've seen is hard work paying off. And this is tough, man. When you got Jet Motorsports, when you've got Bobby Sears Racing, when you have right foot down, um, Ben Kennedy Racing, Anthony Campy Racing, those are national brands, okay? When you're competing against that, it's going to be tough to get those podium finishes. And when you do get them, damn, does it look good. I I, I want to say that everybody who's been running the Pro Late Series regularly, um, you guys have done fantastic. You guys have made yourself look really good, in my eyes anyways, for what that's worth. Um, I know what a grind it is to race like the Bombers do every other week, but I know what an investment it is, what a commitment it is to run these types of cars even six times a year. So thank you. Um, I, I'm sorry that uh, I'm sorry that you guys are getting crapped on for only having nine cars. Uh, I'm sorry that the track is getting crapped on because we're, we're in such a tight box of what we can do. And those that are still that those that have been there and are still there, believe me, we're working just as hard as we can to do what we can to make this better. And it's hard. There are so many great suggestions that are just not feasible for what we're able to do. And and the smart ones, you guys know that and you appreciate that. The the keyboard warrior ones, good luck to you. <sighs> it was a fun night. I went into it with my expectations in check, hoping for the best, prepared for even worse than it was, and I had fun. I enjoyed it. Great prolate model race. Congratulations to Anthony Cataldi. Congratulations to Brad May. Uh, didn't even start the Speed Weeks race that counted for points this year and will not for next year. Still going to win the championship. So um, that's just uh, hard work for that team as well. So... It was fun, man. Um, Good night of racing out there. Let me switch gears real quick. Let me end this segment by taking a look at the points. So give me a second to navigate there. I should already have that tab pulled up, but I don't. Um, So I hope that... I know some people are not going to like, you know, the way I said things tonight and the way I put things into perspective. Um, If you really know me and, uh, you know actually listen to what I have to say on a regular basis, you'll know that, you know, I don't have favorites when it comes to what happens out there on that race drag. Are there certain people that I talk to and am friendly with, you know, to where like I can drop my kids off in their trailer and take off and go do things? Yeah, absolutely. But that does not change the way I see things on the racetrack and it never will. So I I hope that's clear. And I hope you know that when I'm talking about you, about something that happened on the racetrack, it is not me picking on you. It is just me doing... Now, this isn't even my job. I do this for fun. But this is me um, 
presenting the story for you from, from my point of view, and you don't have to agree with it. So let's take a look at the 602 modified point standings. Again, this is going to be updated because we have Tom Toronto sitting in third with uh, a 73-point gap. Again, he was given points under the name Tom Toronto a couple of weeks ago. And that has screwed things up. That was actually a night he got a victory, which scored him 74 points. So let me just, let me be smart. He's got a 73-point gap on the website. He scored 74 points that night. He's got a one-point lead over Christopher Hatton going into the finale on the 28th. So Tom Toronto is the official point leader over Christopher Hatton by one point, and then Chris Hatton sitting 23 points behind. So... Uh, that puts Tony Pereira third, Kurt Hatton fourth, and Ricky Moxley in sixth. I guess when they went to Wilkesboro, though, they sold that 602. They've been trying to sell it since um, since Speed Week. So I don't think we'll see that car again. I think John Hatton will have a shot. Yes, John Hatton should move into fifth in the point standings before it's all said and done. So, again, Toronto's. I don't know if you listen to this or not. I know Miss um, Toronto flagged me down and brought it up to me at the track and said, yeah, I'm aware. I've got to get with NASCAR and fix it. But there you go. We just did it live on the show, unofficially. Tom Toronto with a one-point lead over Christopher Hatton going into the final on the 28th. Um, I'm going to talk about the classes that raced here this week, and we'll catch up on everything else uh, as their season's wrapped down. Bomber A's with now one race to go on Family Fun Night. Brandon Monroe, but unofficially, I'm saying this because I guess there could still be appeals if the track calls me tomorrow and tells me to put everything back, I will. But right now, Brandon Monroe with a nine-point lead over Dustin Higdon. That is only a few positions on the racetrack. And Eddie Evans, only minus 12. Eddie has a good heat and a good feature. He could still win the championship if he decides to run. And if he doesn't, respect. Aaron Foy, fourth in the points, 31 back. And Larry Masters, he's like the runner-up in the breakout situation he is 49 points back so um probably a lock for the top five is courtney breeden will not be in attendance and it looks like Lindsay samian should lock down rookie of the year with one race to go looking now at the emods they are officially done with their regular season dylan lebeau wins the championship by a full race uh, and then some 76 points over jared corpy uh, Curtis Robinson comes home in third. A great year for Kurt. Got that first career New Smyrna win. Jay Woldridge, fourth, the leading rookie. And Dale Howard, quiet good season, even though he didn't make uh, a handful of starts at the beginning of the year. He's been he's come on strong at the end of the year and will hold down the fifth position, the final spot at the banquet, if you will, for Dale Howard. And then looking now at the points for the prolates as they will wrap up their season during the prelude to the governor's cup on november 11th i think it is brad may with a 45 point lead over ruben caceres if ruben had qualified it'd probably be 25 points which is still pretty big but governor's cup i'm expecting a decent field so it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility for him to still be able to capitalize 45 points not a full race but man that's going to be tough but nonetheless ruben caceres looking to win rookie of the year and have a great year despite everything so Brad May with a 45-point lead. Ruben Caceres second. Colby Clements third at 59 points back. Steven Reddit moves up to fourth, 85 back. And Blake Suddy up to fifth as TJ DeCare has turned his focus back to super lates over at Armadale. He slipped down to sixth. And then the other guys, um, sixth through tenth, 
the race to go still could move up and down the points. I guess the Governor's Cup if they'd show up. Uh, TJ DeCare, Carson Brown, Tim Sozio, John Nee, and Dalton Smith, the top 10 in prolate model points. So that's where we're at uh, as far as the points go and as far as my recap on what has just been a whirlwind of the couple of days with the fallout from the New Smyrna Speedway. Um, with that said, let's take our first commercial break. I want to come back and talk about the Roval, um, NASCAR power rankings, and a little bit about the 2024 schedule. So all of that coming up after the break. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up, or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, Check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for, for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders a couple of years ago. And they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, Make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues, 
with your taxes or, you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting. Um, They do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Let's go ahead and talk about the Roval. Do you guys like the Roval or, or not? Is this a race that you could leave off the schedule and not be upset about? Would you rather than be on the Oval? A lot of people thought they were going to be on the Oval again next year twice, but the Roval is coming back. Um, I was on the on the fence. If they had said we're going Oval twice next year, I would have been okay with it. The Roval to me adds a little diversity, whether it be manufactured diversity, that's up to you and that's that's fair. Last year's Roval race, I did not like. That was the the sign fiasco where the sign fell off the track and caused a caution, allowed Christopher Bell to tear up through the field and get the win. I mean, he took advantage of the circumstance, and that that's great. Take advantage of what they give you, right? But I did not like the Roval last year. This year, well, I just don't think road course racing in this car is very good, period, because the car is made for it, and therefore the drivers have a better, better handle on it. Um... I loved the the first Roval race. I mean, epic. I mean, just amazing. That's what they were going for. And since then, it hasn't been the same. And that's how most things go. The first time around, it's crazy. It's new. It's exciting. And then it kind of loses its luster. Um, NASCAR has gotten to the point where they don't need to necessarily rely on the gimmicks anymore. They have a car that is sometimes good, sometimes bad, whereas in the past it was really bad a lot. So definitely um, I feel like the Roval would do better if they figured out the package with this car to be a little harder to drive, I think. Honestly, for me, it's um, smaller brakes and skinnier tires. That would help big time. We put these big old brakes on there and these big old grippy tires on there, and now these drivers have so much more comfort under their bums and they're doing a good job with it so um that's my take on it but this year's rover race was was fine the first segment was very meh tyler reddick i think led the whole thing and won the first stage um and then we had chase elliott win stage two and it was a deterrent because they brought back the stage cautions and poor chase elliott's getting ready to come on pit road has to stay out because there there was an incident i think that's where um, the 77 car punted the 78 to the wall. I could be wrong. I, I watched this race on fast forward on Sunday, um, as I had company over and wasn't able to watch it live. So, um, 
poor Chase Elliott um, kind of got screwed over in a sense. You didn't want to win the stages because you lost track position. But then again, if they didn't have the stages, we wouldn't have had much action because there was action in this race. There was some spins, some wrecks. I, I love Denny Hamlin's wreck on the front stretch uh, twice coming out of the chicane. At one point, he spun out after the 34 checked up and got a flat tire. Hamlin went around, and then he got spun and then clobbered by Mike Rockefeller. And uh, good thing Hamlin has all those points and has had a great season because he was able to move on. Um, I like the Roval as the transfer race, though, or the the um, cutoff race. I think that is the only excuse to keep having it, although some have argued that it would have been a better race, better cutoff race on the Oval, and maybe so. I think the mile and a half uh, package with this car is definitely where this car excels versus the road course package. Um, but like I said, this this race had enough intrigue to keep it interesting. A lot of spins and crashes towards the end to keep the field bunched up. A lot of restarts. Um, I really enjoyed the last, let's say, 25% of the race when we were having all those restarts because Kyle Busch, a driver that many of you know I loathe, um, he was up in the mix and he was basically one of those drivers that had to win to move on. If he didn't win the race, he was not going to move on the way the race was playing out. And he got up there, qualified well, put himself in position all day to be around, let a handful of laps. Um, one of the restarts, he lined up alongside A.J. Allmendinger, who was the dominant car of the day. When After Tyler Reddick lost his track position, A.J. Allmendinger took over and was leading most of the race. I was really nervous that Kyle Busch was going to be in the catbird seat on a couple of restarts. Like if William Byron and Dinger got together or when Bush had worked himself into second, I thought Bush would take a swipe at AJ because AJ has nothing to lose and Bush had a championship spot to lose. And I commend Kyle Busch for racing clean. The, the restart where he restarted second, he kind of spun his tires and did not get a good launch. And that did him in. Um, it's too bad he finished third. In the event, but Talladega went poorly, and then the big crash at Texas knocks him out of the championship hunt. And man, I'll tell you, I don't know where uh, sorry William Byron comes from at the end of these races. He's the new closer, in my opinion. Byron, I mean, he'll run like complete dog crap for 80% of the race. He'll be invis invisible. And then with, you know, 20% of the race, here he is knocking on the door. And that's what happened in this one. All those restarts, he was constantly up in the mix, up in the battle, and about five laps to go. And here's where I really started to get nervous and really started to like this race. The The field had spread out. We were getting a long green flag run here towards the end, and here comes Willie B. He's putting the pressure on A.J. Allmendinger to the point where I'm rooting for Dinger. I wanted to see a new winner. We haven't had a new winger, uh, new winger, new winner since um, McDowell at Indy back a couple months ago. We've been stuck at 14 winners since then. Uh, so I was rooting for A.J. Elmendinger. I've always liked A.J. Elmendinger. I know he's a, a road course ringer. He's a one-trick pony, whatever. He's got a great personality. I, I thought he would have a better season than he did this year. Um, so I was rooting for him. And, and no offense to William Byron. I'm a big William Byron fan. So if Willie B. had won, you know, as long as he beat Kyle Busch, I still would have been happy. But come on, Willie's got six wins this year. So it's like... Uh, he he can afford to finish second in this one, and he had me nervous. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Last lap of the race, I had to stand up and pace around the house, and it was hard for me to watch because I'm like, this is where AJ's, AJ's going to get pressure. He's going to make a mistake. But he didn't and was able to hold on and get the win. And, of course, now he gets the win, and there's 
been a lot of question marks around who's going to be in the 16 car next year. And now that he wins, you think, okay, now it's going to come out, he'll be back. But now it's sounding like he won't be back in the 16 car. And I guess news just dropped that Carson Hosevar will be in the 77 next year. I'm really worried that Ty Dillon is going to end up in the 16 now. You'll have Ty Dillon and Daniel Hemrick in your cup cars. See you in the 30s every week. Ugh, that, ugh, man, that'd be terrible. But we don't know that for certain. Uh, that's just my speculation with the way the dominoes are starting to fall and the reporting from this weekend with AJ's win. And you could kind of see it as riding on the wall with how emotional he was and how he kept the checkered flag for his son, Arrow, which is a cool-ass name. Um, I don't know. It was not the best race in the world, but it was it was just fine. It was more exciting than last year's Roval event. And being a playoff cutoff race, there was plenty of drama to go, go on throughout the night. And uh, I'm just glad we got another winner. We're up to 15 winners on the season. 19 last year, 15 this year. I'll take it. We might get to 16 before the end of the year. But I, I think with, with four races to go, I wouldn't be surprised if 15 is the number we get this year. And that's, to me, a good number. 15 different winners in a 36-race season. I'll, I'm good with that. Uh, so Dinger gets the win. William Byron second. Kyle Busch third. Eliminated from the playoffs. Ty Gibbs was fourth. Joey Logano fifth. Tyler Reddick finished in sixth. Chris Buescher seventh. Alex Bowman eighth. Good run for him. Chase Elliott ninth. So not in the driver's playoffs this year, but he did advance in the owner's playoffs. So that is a guy right there to watch over the next couple of weeks as a potential spoiler to be our 16th winner of the year. So, because he still has technically an owner's championship to race for. Ross Chastain finished 10th. Wasn't good enough for him to advance. Uh, Ryan Priest, a quiet but very solid run for Ryan. He finished 11th, followed by Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, uh, who did enough to advance. Austin Dillon, 14th. Christopher Bell. Bubba Wallace, 16th. Did not advance. So he's out. All you Bubba haters can rejoice. Kenny. Uh, Corey LaJoy, 17th. Brad Kozlowski, 18th, 19th for Kevin Harvick. Martin Truex, 20th. He advances barely. Other notables, Danny Hamlin, dead last after crashing out, but he advanced. Um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. caught on fire, finished 34th. Michael McDowell, who's been good on the road courses, 32nd, so not too good today. He had a flat tire and a crash at one point. Uh, but really, that's it. Other than one playoff driver, they all finished in the top 20. So your round of eight. Let's see what that's looking like here going into the final four races. With the reset of the playoff points, William Byron leads going into the round of eight with a five-point advantage over Martin Truex Jr. Denny Hamlin is third, nine points back, fourth for Kyle Larson, 17 back. So those are your final four right now at the cutoff line. Of course, no races have been run in this round yet, so nothing is for sure. Chris Buescher goes into this round, 20 points back of the lead, three points out of the money. Christopher Bell tied for six with Tyler Reddick, 25 points back from the lead and eight points back from the transfer spot. And Ryan Blaney will enter as the final playoff eligible driver of the, of the round of eight, 10 points out of a transfer spot. I believe William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson will be your final four. Um, Martin Truex obviously has backed his way into this round with his great regular season performance. I think he picks it up. A lot of people don't, but I think he does. William Byron, consistently good when he needs to be. I guess that's how I can sum up his season. He should be good. Denny Hamlin, I see him getting a win in the next three races, and I, I think Hamlin wins the championship, and I think Larson will point his way in. Uh, no, 
check that. Larson will win at Homestead and be locked in. So um, that's just my quick predictions. Let me uh, score this race for you because I know everybody loves to hear what I think about the metric and the score and the blah, 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 blah. Um, this race scored pretty well. Uh, the racing, I only give it a four. Road course racing with this new car is not great. Excitement, a nine. Like I said, the last, you know, 10, five laps of this race with Kyle Busch being up there, who I hate, not getting the win was exciting. Um, and then William Byron trying to chase down A.J. Allmendinger and not being able to do it. That was exciting to me. The finish, same reason I give it, give both of those a nine. Lead changes, I give it a five, uh, because it only had seven lead changes. It I didn't give it a five. It scored a five. Enjoyment, a nine. So I, I enjoyed the race. Not my favorite thing in the world, but I enjoyed it. 7.2 overall. That gives us a score of 6.7 on the year. And I'll go ahead and give you my updated power rankings here real quick. Then I want to take a look at the 2024 schedule and breeze through that real quick. Give you some of my interesting thoughts on that. Dropping down to 15th after not qualifying... For this round of the playoffs, my phone is doing something really weird. I've never seen it do that before. It's like highlighted all the names of this picture and is like tracing it. Not sure how I did that, but anyways, Kevin Harvick is 15th this week. Uh, Bubba Wallace not transferring on. He drops to 14th. Kyle Busch, he finished third, didn't transfer, but picked up two spots to 13th. Ross Chastain moves up one with a 10th place finish to 12th. Chase Elliott up two, uh, up three spots to 11th. Again, he's racing for the owner's championship, so still very well in contention here. Martin Truex drops three spots to 10th. I think he's going to make the final four, but he does need to pick it up. Joey Logano up one spot. He had a solid top 10 run in this race. Quiet because he's not a playoff guy anymore, but he's ninth on my rankings here. Brad Kozlowski drops two spots from 6th to 8th. Uh, mediocre run for him, and he's out of the playoffs now. Ryan Blaney uh, picks up one spot. He's up to seventh. Continues to be riding pretty decent here in the playoffs. Tyler Reddick up three spots. If it wasn't for the stages, he probably wins this race. Uh, so Reddick up to sixth. Christopher Bell drops one spot to fifth, whereas Chris Buescher moves up one spot to fourth. Kyle Larson remains third. Denny Hamlin down one spot to second. Because, uh, you know, he crashed out. Uh, this wasn't a race where I expected Denny Hamlin to do much, so I'm not going to penalize him too much as I like his position going into the round of eight. And with a second-place run, William Byron moves up to our new number one as we head into Las Vegas, which I think will be my favorite race of this round. We have Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville. Martinsville sucks with the new car. Homestead is overrated. Uh, watching cars run a single groove on the high side of the racetrack is no better than watching cars run a single groove on the inside. If you can't pass, you can't pass no matter whether you're running on the track. So Homestead to me is overrated. I was really excited for the race last year with the new car and it sucked. So I'm not looking forward to it this year. I hope my mind is changed. Um, so Vegas, while it wasn't the best race earlier this year, I still think it's the best race in this round and has potential to mix things up. So I'm excited for it. We'll see what happens. Um, before I end this segment, like I said, I want to take a look at the, the schedule that has finally dropped and there are some big changes and I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here and be long winded about it, but I want to highlight some of the changes and give you my thoughts on whether I like it or not. We will start off the season with the clash at the Coliseum, uh, Sunday, February 4th. I'm fine with that. Whatever the clash it's, it's an exhibition. It's for fun. You don't have to watch it. It doesn't change anything about the season. It's fine. Daytona 500 to start the year, that's a given. If that ever changes, 
will riot. The big, the first big change is Atlanta moving to the second race of the season. I think that's a bad choice for race number two of the year. I get it. We don't have California to go to anymore. Um, I'll let you know what my pick would have been for the second race of the season since they made another big change. Atlanta being the second race. You have the Daytona 500 and then Atlanta, another drafting style track. Yeah, we could have two very weird winners to start the year. But man, I would have liked to seen Atlanta be like the fifth race of the year to spread it out a little bit. Las Vegas will be third, Phoenix fourth. Bristol now fifth. That's all fine. Uh, Bristol concrete, by the way. No more Bristol dirt. I'm okay with that too. Um, yeah, the dirt race was a little bit better this year, but again, I just don't think we need the gimmicks anymore. Coda will return. That'll be after Bristol, followed by Richmond, eh, Martinsville, eh. And then Texas will move out of the playoffs into the spring. This was a move for weather, so it's not so hot. I would have put Texas as my second race of the year and then done Las Vegas, Phoenix, and then Atlanta, then Bristol. If you're going to move Texas out of the playoffs, don't put it on April 14th. Make that race number two. You can race Texas. We've seen Texas in the cold before. It's fine. Texas is no better off, no better, no worse off than Atlanta. You're just not putting two drafting tracks, one and two. If you're going to move Texas because it's too hot, move Texas to race number two. With it being the second race of the season, you still have people more excited because it's the season's all new and you'll get more people interested in Texas. I would have put Texas race two, dropped Atlanta behind Phoenix. But that's just me. It is what it is. Talladega, that's not the only thing I'm mad about. Talladega will be after Texas. Then it's Dover, Kansas, Darlington. North Wilkesboro will return as the all-star race. And we have the Coke 600 on Memorial Day. Perfect. Everything's good. Other than the Atlanta, Texas thing, everything's fine. Then we go to Gateway, Sonoma. Then we have Iowa. That kind of takes the place of California with that being off the schedule. Um... Great, fine, it's a new track, but man, I'm just, the short tracks just don't excite me, so meh. New Hampshire, Nashville, then we're doing the Chicago Street Race again, that's all fine. That'll be July 7th, so that's your July 4th conduit there. After that, we have Pocono and the return of the Brickyard 400, which, good, I'm glad that's back. I like a crown jewel race, so we now have four officially on the schedule, once again. Then we have our two-week Olympic break, and that's what screws up the end of the regular season here. Two-week break, then we go back to Richmond, then we have Michigan, and then Daytona. Sounds right. August 24th, around the same week? Yeah. But Daytona is no longer the regular season cutoff race. It is race 25 out of 26. I get it. The Olympics, TV money, NBC has the Olympics, so they said, NASCAR, we don't care about you. You're going to have to take some time off. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. It's having Daytona not be the regular season finale is a disgrace. <sighs> so I'm sad about that. But I get it. You know, USA is paying the, or sorry, NBC is paying the bills for that. So it is what it is. Daytona race 25 and then Darlington on Labor Day will now be the regular season finale. So Darlington moves out of the playoffs. Daytona moves out of the regular season uh, finale. So. Now, Daytona is still going to be batshit crazy because that's your last, might be your last opportunity to make yourself qualified for the playoffs because Darlington will be status quo. And then the only real big changes that have uh, gone into the playoffs are in round one. We will start the playoffs at Atlanta. 
I don't like that. I think Atlanta should be in the regular season as another wild card race to get yourself into the play. I would have put Iowa here. I would have put Atlanta in Iowa's spot and put Iowa in the playoffs. And then we have Watkins Glen. I'm fine with Watkins Glen being in the playoffs. A lot of people don't like two road courses in there, but I'm fine with that. And then Bristol will end round one. Then we go to Kansas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval. No real big change there. We just swapped uh, Texas and Kansas. And then it's the exact same final four races. Las Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville, and Phoenix, the championship finale. Meh. So that's my quick rundown of the schedule. And then I have a creepy picture of Carson Hosevar smiling at me as I scroll down here because, again, it has been announced that he'll be in the 77 car for Spire Motorsports full-time next year. So that is my quick NASCAR segment. Um, hope you all enjoyed my thoughts on the schedule. A couple of years ago, I did an entire podcast on the schedule. I just figured I could condense it for you all this year and still get my point across. So anyways, uh, we'll be back around the state Coming up to wrap up the show after this. All right, y'all. Thanks for coming back for the third and final segment. We'll make this one quick. Uh, A couple of tracks in action to talk about and then take a look at the fantasy standings of the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league on the NASCAR.com fantasy deal. So let's dive into it. Let's try to get y'all out of here. I'm going to start over at Citrus County here as they had what is just titled Kids Night over at the Speedway. So let's take a quick look here. Uh, Looks like they ran two Sportsman features. So let's start there. Sportsman feature number one. This is from October 7th. They had nine cars start feature number one. And we saw Eric Sharon pick up the win. Now, again, I was not here. I don't know anything that went down. Um, So look for other media outlets if you want more in depth. Eric Schroen, the winner of Sportsman Feature Number 1, Joseph Hamilton. Oh, that's a new one. That's Joe Hamilton. He finished in second. Brad Bowman, third. And he had Ricky Anderson, Andy Nichols, Cody Struble, Lucas Hinton, Garrett Larson, and Matthew Green rounding out the field in Sportsman Feature 1. And then Sportsman Feature Number 2 went to... Sorry, I got to click on all these individually here. Another nine cars here, so I didn't misread the first time. Lucas Hinton got the win. Good to see. You. I like Lucas. He's a good good kid. Uh, Lucas Hinton with the win. Garrett Larson second, third for Ricky Anderson. Cody Struble fourth, fifth for the 21 Eric Sharon. Brad Bowman sixth. Matthew Green seventh, eighth for Joe Hamilton. And Andy Nichols rounding out the field. I'm going to go from bottom to top here so I don't have to do as much scrolling here. Pure stocks were in action. They had a grand total of a pretty good field, actually. 14 of them, and the win went to Caleb Grossenbacher. He was able to hold off Cody Struble, Tim Alexander, Doc Batson, Jake Fitchner, Don Teague, Gregory Dick, TJ Chambers, Bubba Martone, and Travis Blotz. That was the top 10 there for the Pure Stocks. Also in action, they had Pro Trucks. Pro Trucks were there. Let's see how many Pro Trucks they had. Decent, decent field. They had 12 of them. And Brennan Pletcher picked up the win over Palmer Hag, who continues to have a great year. Becca Monopoly was third. Cody McDuffie, fourth. Maria Martins, fifth. Devin Kyle was sixth. Todd Hag, seventh. Wilson Martins, eighth. Chuck Ayers, ninth. And rounding out the top 10, Nick Provost in car number 23, DQ for Tim Walters. Timmy, why are you being all legal and stuff? Man, I would, I would not expect to see that. 
Um, let's see what else did they have. Uh, Ford Outlaw figure eights. I know um, Jesse Veltman smashed pretty hard in this one. Jesse was leading the race and hit somebody pretty hard. Uh, that meant that Chucky Hearn got the win over Preston Davis, Sean Sinekosov. I'm sorry, this is I'm sorry, this is the uh, pro figure eights. I'm I apologize. This is not where Jesse Veltman crashed. I'm sorry. Uh, Chucky Hearn with the pro figure eight win. Um, I I think PO figure eight features says, yeah, this must be pro figure eights. Chucky Hearn with the win, Preston Davis second, Sean Senekosov third, Shane Grigsby fourth, and Cody Williams in fifth. They had 12 of these things, so I don't know where all these things are coming from, but it's cool. Mini stock main event. They had a pretty good field. They had two heats of these. They had 15 of them, two DQs, and the win went to uh, Ryan Wilson, Shane, I'm sorry, Ryan Wilson, the winner, Steve Paulton, senior second, third for Ricky Shaid, Danny Fox, fourth, Greg Johnson, the top five. Good field. Good to see the mini stocks coming back around over there. Now, here is the Ford Outlaw figure eights. So, FO figure eights is Ford Outlaws. This is where Jesse Beltman smashed into somebody with just a handful of laps to go. Frank Maness with the win over Eric Sharon with Sean Senekosov third. Jesse finished fourth. Rocky Samson was fifth. And Keith Zavril with the DQ. So uh, go back. You can find Jesse's crash on the internet. Somebody let you know he got it on camera about five times, but it's out, it's out there. Ford Outlaws ran a regular oval feature at three heat races, so that means they had a good field of cars. Let's see how many they had. At least 19. So yeah, that's good. John Wallace was the winner over Jesse Veltman who I think was the track champion over there. Uh, Chip Kelly came home in third. Zach Curtis was fourth in the 2X machine. Clayton Coe was fifth. Sixth for Neil Wallace. Seventh for Keith Zavril. Corey Zavril, eighth. Ninth for Daniel Wilson. And Rick Kelly rounding out the top ten. And then, finally, they had the flagpole race, and I think our buddy Zach Curtis won that. Yes, he did. Zach Curtis, the winner of the flagpole race, a 15-lap flagpole race just for the hell of it. Interesting. Uh, Frank Maness was second, Keith Saverell third, fourth for Clarice Bro and Leonard Laron Jr. Rounding out the top five in the flagpole race. Good stuff. Seems like a fun night over there at Citrus County. We're going to head over to Auburndale. They had a twin late model 50s. And it looks like they had a pretty good turnout over there. They said they had over 100 cars in the pits. And I'm glad they got this one in because rain tried to ruin their night as well. Looking at the results. Uh, super late model feature number one went to Jonathan Guy in car number 42. He held off his teammate, Cody Stickler, for second, third for TJ DeCare. Colin Allman was fourth, fifth for Dylan Bigley, followed by Cody Crucker, Chase Lovelady, Charlie Brown, Hunter Lovelady, and Bray Holmes, the top 10 in a field of 13 to DNS. In feature number two would be Colin Allman, who would get the victory ahead of Chase Lovelady and Dylan Bigley, your top three. John Guy was fourth, Cody Crucker fifth, TJ DeCare sixth, seventh for Charlie Brown, Cody Stickler eighth, ninth for Richard Elkins, Brian Doerr tenth, and Robert Jonas and Abigail Jonas did not start either event. Fast qualifier was Colin Allman. Scrolling down here, Mod Minis. Decent field. Uh, looks like 12 started out of 13 that showed up. Nick Cummins with a disqualification. Ooh, we, we have a change atop the board here. Bruce Anderson was also DQ'd. We'll get more info, uh, information on that on the hot mic. Bobby Mobley in the 8X car. I think that's the camouflage 8 machine. And Bobby Mobley picks up the win. Jeff Firestone second. 
Tim Rushing third, Jason Deaton fourth, fifth for Kenny Ewell. Good field. Interesting. I can't wait to hear the reason for the DQ. Legends cars, only six of them. Evan Bookmiller took the win over David Furtado and George Ingram in that one. The SRQ Taxes mini stocks, they get SRQ Taxes for supporting the show. And the racing division over there, 18 mini stocks. Great turnout. Roy Healy gets the win over TJ Cruz, William Kearns, Bill Witherington, and Jay Roberts. Your top five. Mike Engel is at a great year with sixth. Looking at some other notables here. Uh, Virgil was back out there. Good for him. He finished in 14th. Bray Ganey, 15th. So, interesting. Crown Vicks, they had a great field. 25 Crown Vicks. Great to see. Michael Bauer took home the victory over Jimmy McLeod, Michael Fuller, Roger Blevins, James Bristol, your top five. Clay Cruz, hell yeah, good run for Clay. He finished in sixth. John Worthington was seventh. Eighth for Dakota Dinkins, Shane Bennett ninth, and tenth for Lloyd Freeman. And they had many cups, another good field, uh, nine of them. Uh, they had a couple DNS, but nonetheless, a good field. And the win went to Jace Beebe. Street Stocks, they had nine. Cleve Lewis with a DQ. And this was won by Mike Wilson in the 05. A.J. Waller was second. Rob Kuhn third. Lauren Lanier fourth. Jason Bartram, the point leader, in fifth. Followed by Joe Girard, our good buddy Steve Darling in seventh, and Bobby, Bobby Mobley in eighth. And they also ran Bandoleros. That was won by Bryson Carlbert. Joseph Wise second, Sadie Parsons, and Lily Farmery rounding out the field. So a good night over there at Auburndale. Seems like uh, there's plenty of action to be had over there. Good recovery. After the rain out that we talked about on last week's show, still had a great time despite the rain out. So I want to pop on in here and check on the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league before we let you go. See how everything went. Um, I don't think it went too well. So let me check out the league here. And scroll down. Let's see how everybody did here at the Roval. Oh, my God. I was the winner. All right. All right. I came home in first place this week with 243 points. Richie Petty Jr. second with 229. Staffordshire Motorsports third with 217. So I I got you guys by quite a bit this week. Uh, Steve was fourth with 216. Fifth was Big Temp in Motorsports with 211. Followed by King Penguin. Pit Penguin, 8-Ball Racing, Bob's Fords back in ninth, and Bomber 93, John Gross. A tough day with only 162. And then a couple of other guys have fallen out of contention, not making their picks. So, man, John Gross, tough day for John. I, I'm ecstatic, man. I Again, I don't, I don't watch this during the race, so I leave all the surprise for the show. And the last couple weeks have been down in the dumps. Overall, let's check the standings. John Gross still winning, so what the hell does it even matter? <laughs> 5,886. Uh, he's up over Staffordshire Motorsports, who's only about 20 points behind him now, so that's going to be interesting. I'm still seventh on the board, man. My big win didn't really propel me. Um, so again, uh, John Gross leading, Staffordshire Motorsports second. Bob Say is third, Steve Darling fourth. Timmy Walters running out the top five. Then it's Richie Petty Jr., RKS Racing, that's me. Pit Penguin, that's Steven. John Ripley's ninth, and King Penguin rounding out the top ten. Let's see how the playoffs, they have playoff standings here sorted out too. Who's leading the playoffs? I'm fourth. Staffordshire Motorsports doing the best ahead of King Penguin, Richie Petty, myself, and Steve. They're in the playoffs. If I were to give you guys five drivers and a wild card, four. I think I forgot to do this last week, and I apologize. If I were to give you five fantasy studs, four 
Las Vegas. I say go Tyler Reddick. Go Denny Hamlin. Go with man. This is where it gets tough. Let me let me click back to Las Vegas from earlier this year and and refresh my memory a little bit here. I, I like Reddick. Um, I like yeah, I like Reddick for sure. Reddick, Hamlin, Larson. Go Kyle Larson. Pick him this week. Uh, take a chance on Chris Bell. And the other driver, William Byron, won the race earlier this year at Las Vegas. Somebody's driving down my road like a bat out of hell. Ridiculous. Can you hear that? I don't know if it's picking it up or not, but good Lord. <laughs> oh, let's see. Who else should you pick at? I need one more driver to give you advice on. Mile and a half track. Out of hell with it. Go Willie B. Byron, Larson, Bell, Hamlin, and Reddick would be my picks. Wildcard, Bubba Wallace. There you go. There's my fantasy advice for the week. Take it or leave it. I did win last week, so maybe I'm worth listening to. If you've listened this far, I thank you. Um, if you want more in-depth analysis of what went down in Florida short track racing this week, make sure you tune in to the Hot Mic. That airs Wednesdays at 7 it is a Facebook Live show, so you can go back and watch it anytime. I know this show comes out after that show, even though I record it before that show. That's just how my process goes. Editing, real life, work, all that stuff. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting the show, if you're a supporter or a sponsor. Also, thank you to Speedway Video for the great video work so we can go back and review things as they happen because what I see in the tower sometimes looks different on Speedway Video, and as Scott Cutter says, we always look better, or whatever he says on Speedway Video. So check that out. He's got all the races up. Good archive as well. Thank you all for listening. Um, thank you to Brian Mylar for calling in. That was fun to talk to him. I like I like all the new people we've been talking to on the show here recently. So if you'd like to be on the show, reach out to me, and let's set it up, and we'll talk to you all Next week, get out there, support your local short tracks. I know there's weather this weekend, but it's only Tuesday night. Let's wait and see what happens. If you can, if they're racing, go do it. And if not, find something else to do. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. Take care. We'll talk to you then. Bye.